This is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting. Support for the legislature today is provided by Marshall University, committed to teaching, research, and professional training with degree programs in multiple locations and online. More about the Marshall family at marshall.edu. Embassy Suites by Hilton Charleston, an all-suite hotel and conference center minutes from Yeager Airport and Capital Market. Reservations and brasserie dining information available at hilton.com. Segra, providing fiber-based communication solutions. Segra, freedom to grow. More information at segra.com. Welcome back to the legislature today. I'm Bob Brunner. Thanks for joining us for another week. We are quickly approaching the midpoint of the legislative session. That brings up a number of deadlines. For example, House Majority Leader Eric Householder notes that all House bills need to be submitted by the end of the week to be considered this session. As of earlier today, nearly 1,900 bills have been introduced between the two chambers. Today was Domestic Violence Awareness Day at the Capitol. Chris Schultz has that story. Advocates Against Domestic Violence came to the Capitol Complex Monday morning to meet with their legislators. According to the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, one in four women and one in nine men experience some form of physical violence from an intimate partner. Tanya Thomas is the team coordinator for the West Virginia Coalition Against Domestic Violence. So that really means that most of us know someone who has been in a violent relationship and has been abused. So our program served over 13,000 people last year, which is just you know the ice, you know the the tip of the iceberg for people who are you know abused. That's a lot of people. Thomas says the coalition has 14 licensed domestic violence programs that cover all 55 counties but access to resources can still be an issue. In West Virginia and states like West Virginia, um, the resources may not be as prevalent for maybe people who are maybe have means or have uh, access like maybe in urban areas where they have a whole lot of services. So what happens is, is maybe the domestic violence, it doesn't occur more, but the resources to leave those situations, you know what I mean, are often really hard to obtain in rural states like West Virginia. Thomas stressed that resources are available for anyone experiencing domestic violence. Samuel White is the legal services coordinator for the West Virginia Coalition Against Domestic Violence. He said advocates are hoping a marital exception to the crime of sexual assault will be removed this session. Uh, what it presents is a situation where on Friday you're married and there's a sexual assault that happens and you can't be charged with a felony. You can only be charged with potentially some misdemeanor, but there's no direct misdemeanor that applies. But Friday afternoon, the judge signs your divorce order and on Saturday the same conduct happens and now you can be charged with a felony, all just because of your marital status and we think that that should not be allowed. Senator Mike Wolfel is the lead and only sponsor of Senate Bill 537. It would amend the state criminal code to remove the marital exception. That man sexually assaulting that woman that's in, that young lady that's in our gallery is not a crime in this state because of the marriage, marriage exemption. Now, my bill is very clear. It runs on for about seven sentences, and that's it. It's not convoluted with other issues or 
child marriage or anything else in our state that uh, might need to be addressed in a different bill. It simply removes marital exception for sexual assault in West Virginia. And I urge, I urge your caucus to discuss this and let's move that bill and make it a law. Senate Bill 537 is currently in the Senate Judiciary Committee. For the legislature today, I'm Chris Schultz. It was a relatively quiet day in the legislature with the Senate only passing three bills. Senate Bill 232 would create a study of the diversion of certain people from the criminal justice system. A multidisciplinary study group to make recommendations regarding the diversion of persons with mental illnesses, de developmental disabilities, substance abuse problems, and other disabilities from the criminal justice system. The group's recommendations would include appropriate intervention and placement for inmates and persons with disabilities, as well as a plan to coordinate care, treatment, and placement. A report to the Senate would be due no later than November 30th, 2023. The other two bills that passed were Senate Bill 463, increasing the validity of a learner's permit for a commercial driver's license from six months to one year and House Bill 2835, repealing outdated code relating to the long since completed merger of the West Virginia Graduate College and Marshall University. Despite being on its third and final reading since Friday, Senate Bill 472, which would create a criminal offense of indecent exposure in front of minors, was laid over for a second time. The House Finance Committee debated a wide variety of bills on Monday that were recommended for passage. House Bill 2882 makes supplemental appropriations to the State Economic Development Fund. The highlight of the bill is a $105 million to support the FORM Energy Project, which brings a new battery plant with 750 jobs to the old Weirton Steel Mill plant site. Some members voice concerns about the risk involved with state ownership stake in buildings and land. Delegate Doug Scaff, a Democrat from Kanawha County, was among a committee majority supporting that state funding. Now, I've done a lot of research on this. I even got a chance to meet the people from Form Energy. Um, they are committed. They did their due diligence. They looked all around the country to find the right location. And I think we could send, we have an opportunity today to send the message that, hey, West Virginia is open for business. Let's be creative. The bill now goes to the House floor, House Bill 2346, a bill which declares a shortage of qualified bus drivers and allows retired bus drivers to accept employment and keep their benefits passed unanimously. House Bill 2002, relating to providing support for families, raises the income tax credit for adoptive parents from $4,000 to $5,000 and establishes a pregnancy support program. That bill was sent to the House floor. If nothing else, the state's political, business, and community leaders generally agree that a quality education is the key to West Virginia's future. With low test scores on one side of the desk and worker shortages on the other, education was a focal point going into this legislative session. Chris Schull sat down with two of the legislature's education leaders to learn more about what's being done to secure the state's future. Thanks, Bob. Senator Amy Grady is the Senate Education Chair and Delegate Elliot Pritt is the Minority Vice Chair for House Education. Both join me now on the legislature today. Thank you both so much for being here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. 
So we have a lot to discuss, and, and I really wish the cameras had been on for our, our pre-tape uh, conversation, but we'll do our best to try and cover as much as we can here. I'd like to start with uh, the very simple issue of staffing in our schools. Um, I, I joke, of course. Um, we've heard a lot about pay and compensation. I, I just sat down with a couple of teachers on Thursday, and they said basically, you know, it would be wonderful to, to get uh, more, um, but that's not really the, the core issue that's driving people away from the profession. Um, I'm lucky enough to have two teachers in front of me here, uh, one of who, whom has actually taken a role in, in addressing this issue in the House. Delicate, what can you tell us about what the House has done on the issue of, of teacher and employee pay in schools? Yeah, so we have passed through House education a couple robust uh, pay increases for service personnel and teachers. And we've also passed through a school discipline bill that they, they say will help handle discipline. We'll talk a little bit later on about that, I think. Uh, but it's more than just pay. A lot of it's about respect, and a lot of it's about the fact that we are expected to wear many different hats. We're not just teacher. We're fulfilling the role of parent. We're fulfilling the role of counselor. We're fulfilling the role of provider. Uh, and it's everyone's burnout. A lot of people in this profession are burnout because of the, the workload that we have, so. I would add to that. Um, it is a lot more than just pay. You know, West Virginia has one of the lowest costs of living in any state. So you could argue that, that our pay is not high enough, but we do have at least that benefit. But it is the feeling of being overwhelmed. You know, when you leave the school building at three o'clock, you're not leaving your work. You're not, you know, a lot of other jobs, when you clock out of that building, you're going home and you're relaxing. The teachers take their work with them. They're tired of working extra hours into the evening, taking it away from their, their, their families, taking it away from other things they could be doing, but they feel a responsibility to do that. So they don't relinquish that and say, well, I'm just gonna leave this at school. I'm not gonna take care of it because we're dealing with kids. We're dealing with our students and humans and making sure that they have what they need. So. It's, it's an issue I feel like of more of them. I'm overwhelmed, we have a lot to do and not enough time to do it. So I, I'm really glad that you both have jumped onto this issue uh, early on. Um, you know, the word that I heard when I was speaking to these teachers on Thursday was respect. I, I believe that same day in your education committee, Senator, that word respect came up when you were hearing from, um, you know, uh, AFT and WVEA. Um, I am curious though, you know, legislating pay is relatively simple. Obviously, the fiscal note and the question of the budget does come up, but that's something that's possible. It's within the realm mm -hmm. of legislation. How do you legislate respect and and you know narrowing the the scope of what a teacher has to do in the 24 hours that we all have to share, Senator? It is and it is a problem. And I say that all the time. You can't legislate like morality. You can't legislate respect. You can't legislate certain character traits that that we need people to have. And that's, that's, that's everywhere. When we have our, our students, and um, students and parents, and then they get this idea that not to respect teachers. Um, I think it's just a generational thing that we're going through, honestly. And um, I, I look at, we have a bill, I think I have a bill in this education committee, House Education passed it over 2890, deals with student discipline, and I've looked at that. that. And what I, what I gather from that bill is teachers don't feel backed up by their administrators. You know, if a teacher's having a problem with a student in class over and over and over again, we shouldn't have to write legislation that says you can do something about that student. This, this teacher should be able to go to their administrator and say, hey, this, this student is interrupting the, the learning process for every student in my classroom on a daily basis. I need him or her removed so that, that this can take place. But they don't feel like they have that, that support. So now we're looking at looking at legislation that 
basically addresses every single discipline issue in like a cookie cutter fashion. And that, you know, that's, that's not okay, but we're kind of to that point. Yep. Um, and, and I think the intent of the bill is great, <laughs> uh, but I think there's a lot of discussion that we still well, have. Well, speaking of discussion. I, I don't think it's a good bill. I mean, I tried to amend it several times on the floor of the House, and the last amendment I offered, every active educator in the House voted for it. And so that should show you that it's, I mean, it was best practice and good policy. Um, to me, the bill just looked like uh, someone heard a couple of anecdotal stories of maybe constituents complaining to them. So they just said, well, I'll write a bill about to fix that. And then just said, well, that'll fix it all. It's very broad. It's, it's, it's not a good bill. I mean, there's already discipline procedures in code. To me, that's an administration issue. I agree with you. Mm -hmm. We don't need to legislate discipline in that, in that fashion. County boards of education and county superintendents need to make sure that their administrators are doing their jobs. That's the issue. Um, but that was that was my whole holdup with the bill. I tried to amend it to make it better, but you know how it goes. So. It also addresses K-12. Yeah. You know, the way a kindergarten student is disciplined or, or what could be deemed as disruptive with a kindergarten or first grade student is entirely different than a ninth, 10th, 11th grade student. Short story, I can remember my own son in first grade, he'll probably kill me for saying this out loud, but he was in my, in my school. And I remember I was going to his classroom to talk to his teacher about something. I glanced in the window and I saw him fall out of his desk. And I was like, oh my goodness, what happened? So I go in and he, he pops up about the time I come in and he pops up and he's a T-Rex. So he's... <laughs> And then he proceeds to stomp around the classroom and I had to say, hey, Rhett, what are you doing? He's like, oh, hi, mom. He was in his whole dinosaur world as a six-year-old. Was that disruptive? Probably, but this could be viewed, you see what I mean? Yeah. It could be viewed as a disruption if it mm -hmm. constantly happens. And six-year-olds often get yeah. in their own in imaginations. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's a one-size-fits-all for a situation that is not a one-size-fits-all. It's a, yeah, it's an awful bill. <laughs> I mean, truthfully, and the language, the personality clash, I mean, I, they struggled to offer a definition to what that even meant. And so your son, for instance, I mean, if he had been a T-Rex three, three days in a row, they're going to suspend him for acting like a dinosaur in class? And then that sounds like it's ridic a ridiculous a yeah. ridiculous but that's um, example. A, that's a school. But, but that's the kind but of stuff that happens. The, the language is so broad that it, yeah. it could be deemed as that, and that's the concern, you know, yeah. is... Um, so one of the things that we've been hearing from, and, and I'm going to keep referring back to it just because it's the most recent data point or, or um, you know, community uh, outreach that we've heard from, these AFT-WVEA forums that were just held at the end of last year and that we're just hearing about in the last couple of days, um, you know, they did talk about uh, teachers wanting more freedom, more freedom to make choices. It kind of sounds like this bill is an attempt, maybe an, an inefficient bill to do that. Um, but I am curious, Delegate, if you could tell us about a bill that is trying to narrow focus about what counselors can do in schools. Because mm -hmm. it seems like that might be a step forward to what teachers are hoping to see. You know, when narrowing a focus of, you know, you're not doing a million things, you're just doing these things, you actually cannot do these things by law now. Mm -hmm. Tell me about this bill. To, that bill was laid over. So I'm not sure what the future is for this bill. The bill in its committee form is a good bill. The amendment, I don't know if the amendment has been 
uh, withdrawn or not, if that amendment were to be put into that bill, I would vote against it, it because it's the amendment's that bad. You're referring but, to a, an amendment that would require reporting of certain yes. conversations around gender identity. It's a HIPAA violation, 100%. Yeah. Uh, and it would it would jeopardize funding and, and and set everything up for legal challenges and lawsuits. It's it's a whole big thing. The counselor bill in its original form is a great bill, and a lot of it has to do with the fact because of uh, staffing issues, counselors are being pulled from their duties to fill in in a classroom to do different things, and then that means they're not there to be a counselor to do the things that they're required to do in code. Hi, so I haven't looked at this bill entirely in, on my own. What I tend to do as education chair is if they're coming to me, then I spend my time on them. But until they come over to the Senate, I don't. But I had heard from some superintendents and some people involved in the schools um, about this bill and some concerns they had that would basically take away, and you can clarify this maybe for me, Elliot, take away from um, counselors in the high school level being able to look at GPAs and things like that to help kit, guide kids on their on onto their path to say, hey, your GPA is too low, you can't do this, this is the path progression you want for to go to college or whatever. Um, and those kind of things were concerns to them saying, well, this would this bill would take that away from those counselors. They wouldn't be allowed to use, and basically it's a clerical thing, I mm -hmm. guess is what it'll be constituted as. And they're concerned about that because counselors do have a role in doing that. And I understand the purpose is to try to make sure they're focusing on the mental health needs and emotional needs, things like that of students. But that's also a need too, you know, to make sure that students know they're on the right path for what they want to do when they graduate. So that was a concern they had to see if that that was something that they could leave in or, you know, there's a fine line there. But I haven't looked at the bill myself, so I just wanted to bring that up. Tell you, can you clarify for yeah, us? Yeah, that's a valid concern. Mm -hmm. And I think the intent of the bill is good. And so if it comes through the House and gets to you all, then mm -hmm. amend it and do what you, to improve it. Because truthfully, I think the intent is good. There was a subsec, there was a section in there that said, I think counselors weren't supposed to keep records or that's, that needs stricken. There are a few things in there, but by and large, I think the bones of the bill and the intent of the bill are good. We have a lot of those bills with good intent. Yeah, we do. Well, let's, how, how do you, how do you uh, translate intent into action? Yes. Uh, so. Yeah. so I'm, I'm loving this conversation and I wish I could let it go on, but um, I do want to move on to a couple of other topics. Some of the things that I've been hearing you both talk about, and I know that, Senator, you've addressed this directly in your uh, committee, are these external factors. You know, we've already mentioned a couple of them. Um, you know, let's go back to issues of discipline and, and behavior. You know, sometimes, especially in younger children, that's a manifestation of an external issue, be it, um, you know, exhaustion, hunger, um, you know, many other, you know, un, undiagnosed issues. Um, so you've, in, in the Senate, addressed so far hunger and um, period products, which, mm -hmm. which affect at least 50% of the population. Um, what are some of the issues externally from schools that you haven't addressed that you'd like to maybe get at? Well, we obviously have more issues when it comes to mental health. Um, and that covers a lot of things. But it's such a broad issue that how do you narrow it down on how we can improve this. Um, you know, I talk about trauma-informed practices. So teachers would be trained in adverse childhood um, experiences. And a lot of teachers don't understand that some of those experiences, all of those experiences will produce a some sort of behavior problem in your classroom from a child who is, just simply doesn't know how to handle their emotions and what's going on outside of school. Um, there's not 
that's the sad part is there's not a one thing to address we have to hit it from all angles so addressing hunger you know addressing and the smallest simplest thing about period products you know people don't think of that but that that can keep a child home mm-hmm. from school they want to miss school it can make them feel just like they're not they don't have what they need so they can't they don't want to be there they can't be there they're embarrassed um, just little things like that hitting all of our mental health issues and emotional issues from different angles. And there are so many, just so many problems that our kids face at home and bring to the school. It's impossible to find them all, but if we can start chipping away at them, it'll help. So I think one thing that Fayette County is doing that I think is great, and we were funding it through a grant program, and now it's going to be funded through our levy. We just passed a really robust levy, and our the Fayette County school levy just passed with the largest margin that it's ever passed with. And it funds communities and schools, social workers in every school in the county. That's great. And those social workers do home visits. They do wellness visits. They provide food to families. They provide clothes. If a uh, female student comes to school and there's an issue and she needs a change of clothes, guess what? Communities and schools has a whole closet full. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have to go home for the day. She can go change and go right back to class. And it is a great resource. That, it, yes, yeah. I agree. Yeah. That's communities and schools program mm-hmm. all across is wonderful because it takes all of that off of the teacher. The you know, counselor. as a teacher and the counselor, yeah. right, and administrator. So you're in the in the school and you're in the classroom worrying about all these things, but communities and schools, people come in and actually can take care of those things and it's very helpful. Yeah. So let's Great. let's refocus this back on what the legislature can do because I know that um, you know, Superintendent David Roach is, is very, very gung ho on expanding communities and schools to all fifty five counties and ultimately every school in the in the state. But as you just mentioned, you know, this takes money. Um, it's not cheap. Yeah. It's not cheap, right? So, so what is the legislature doing to not only fund programs like communities and schools, but also to address the staffing issues that would maybe help bridge some of these gaps? Delegate? Yeah, so the biggest issues we have with the border counties, there needs to be a salary supplement in the Eastern Panhandle, Northern Panhandle, and in border counties, uh, because that's where one of the greatest needs are. And, and as far as the community and schools program, we did pass a bill through uh, the House Education Committee that would K through third grade aides in classrooms and would uh, another bill would help fund communities and schools. They're expensive bills. Uh, and I had concerns. I asked the superintendent, uh, Superintendent Roach, you know, how are you, this is great. And my do- we also in Fayette County through our levy, f- through a grant and now through our levy, are funding aides in K through second grade. And my daughter's in a first grade class at Fayetteville Elementary. And her teacher told me, Miss Karen, who's the A, Miss Karen is the best thing that's ever happened to me in my career. I believe in it. In first grade. And so, but we're funding that with our levy. My concern is that may be a good position in a county that's a little more impoverished, right? Uh, where that's a good salary for that particular economic demographic. But in our border counties, for what they want to pay a teacher's aide, it's going to be very difficult to attract people to those positions. So to address that, um, that was House Bill 2003, and uh, I have Senate Bill 274, which is on the Finance Committee agenda for Wednesday. It is a $96.5 million, um, has a $96.5 million price tag that's over three years. It allows uh, aides, assistant teachers, and we've also added that counties can choose interventionists for those retired teachers that maybe want to come and fill those positions. Um, it will help with that. I have said since I've been a fourth grade teacher for 15 years, 
first grade classrooms need an extra person. I mean, it's just one step above kindergarten. I don't know how they do it. Plus with, with more students, you know, mostly. And even if you have a person in there working with a small group, having them read to them, going over little things, it can be so beneficial. So we have talked with allowing high school students, juniors and seniors in high school, to do an internship, a co-op program as aides in the classroom, maybe try to streamline their ECAT certification so when they graduate from high school they can become assistant teachers and be employed right away. So that's another thing we're trying to help with to kind of fast track that um, and hopefully try to get some students interested in becoming a teacher or an assistant teacher, you know, just being in education in general. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers crossed. It's a good, it's a good yeah. bill. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. So, um, I mean, we are just scratching the surface here. I mean, we haven't even gotten to issues of school safety. We, we kind of touched on uh, a little bit of community engagement with communities and schools, and we're very hopeful uh, that the legislature that we've discussed uh, in, in its better forms, let's say, uh, makes it out to the governor's desk. Well, that's the process, right? Refine. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, refine. Absolutely. It is a process, and uh, you know, we'll be here on the legislature today to keep an eye on it. And I want to thank you both so much for being here and talking us through some of these issues and these bills. Thank you sure. both so thank much. You. Thank you. Not, thank you for the invite. Bob, back to you. Thanks for that, Chris. Tune into the legislature today, Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. We'll have more news and interviews from the 2023 legislative session. And remember, West Virginia Public Broadcasting is covering the session daily in our radio news program, West Virginia Morning, and on our news site at wvpublic.org. We also broadcast the daily floor sessions of both the House and Senate on the West Virginia channel, and we stream those on YouTube as well. I'm Bob Brunner. Thanks for joining us. Have a good evening. Support for the legislature today is provided by Marshall University, committed to teaching, research, and professional training with degree programs in multiple locations and online. More about the Marshall family at marshall.edu. Embassy Suites by Hilton Charleston, an all-suite hotel and conference center minutes from Yeager Airport and Capital Market. Reservations and brasserie dining information available at hilton.com. Segra, providing fiber-based communication solutions. Segra, freedom to grow. More information at segra.com.